podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. So today we've got uh, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports on to talk about the future of UConn basketball uh, going forward here in the Big East. So uh, Matt, thanks for joining us today. Jared, my pleasure. Uh, Good to be with you. And yeah, this was... Uh, a fairly significant, as we record this on on the Thursday that the Big East and UConn made official. This is, I mean, they've won, the program, the school has won, jeez, uh, how many? Like 23, 24 combined national championships between its men's and women's programs. If you eliminate all of those days, I think you can easily say that what happened here on Thursday was one of the five most significant days in the history of the school and its athletic department. Yes. Yeah, so, so Matt, to get started talking about this big day, what are your initial thoughts on this move for UConn, moving from the American uh, and going back to the Big East? All right, I'll, I'll stick strictly, yeah, with, with your question there, I'll stick strictly on the uh, the UConn uh, side of this, just to start here. Um, I think it's good but complicated um, because from a financial standpoint, I think that we will look up five years after this and UConn still will not be out of a hole that it is that it has dug itself into and will continue to have to dig itself out of. Um, there's the basketball component, the other sports component, and then the football component of it. Um, the other sports are obviously going to have UConn and this athletic department operating at a loss. That's just the nature of college athletics. Uh, any athletic department that is actually operating in the black is doing so because of its football program. And in some instances like Louisville basketball, uh, the men's basketball program can get it above board there. Um, now, obviously, with UConn, as you well know, the football program has been a money loser, and uh, there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, but in getting out of the alliance with the American Athletic Conference and with football not knowing what it's going to do and where it's going to go, and at this moment, as you and I talk here, um, you know, I saw some uh, some emerging reports uh, from Dave, from what the athletic director, Dave Benedict, said, saying, you know, maybe there's a chance that the American will still allow UConn to be a member in football. Um, This is just, this is not me with Intel. Well, it's actually a little bit of Intel, but maybe things have changed since I talked to people a few days ago. Um, UConn, if that was to happen, I, I would be shocked. UConn would have to afford the American certain things that I don't think it's capable of affording in order for that league to say, we're good with you taking taking your men's and women's programs away, but we'll keep you in football. I'm not, I just, I don't see that happening. So um, as we talk about how good this is for UConn, we have to acknowledge that this isn't just like, oh, we decided to change leagues and everything is happy and rosy. Well, no, not exactly. Because um, even though uh, UConn hopes and expects to save millions of dollars in travel because they're going to go back and not have to travel as far. Although to be fair, like, there still will be plane rides to Nebraska and to Indianapolis and to, Mil- and to Milwaukee and to Cincinnati. So, like, there will be plenty of travel still. Let's not get that. Like, we'll save money, but it's not like suddenly UConn's just going to have to hop on a bus and we'll have a 30 to, you know, 90-minute ride to most of its games. That, that's not really necessarily the case. Um, the, the budget issue, um, climbing out of that, uh, hopefully, you know, season ticket sales will rise donations. I know donations have had a spike here with this news and that's good, but is that sustainable? Um, let's just see where UConn is as a program, uh, men's and women's wise and with this football come say 2025, see how it's gotten there. Now with all of those concerns, which are valid and will still linger with the program for years, uh, what most people care about 
is the conference affiliation and what it does for UConn as a brand and its viability going forward. Uh, it's, it's obviously huge. Um, I do think it will have real impact in recruiting. I think that Dan Hurley would have still been able to get some good recruits to UConn if this had not happened and they remained an AAC member. But when you are uh, a member of the Big East and you, you have more games that are local and Dan Hurley knows Jersey and New York City extremely well, wants to recruit those areas, Dan Hurley wants to become uh, the king of that area in terms of if there is a top 75 prospect coming out of Jersey, New York, prep school in Connecticut, he wants UConn to be on every single one of those kids' lists and to be landing um, much more of those kids than not. So I think it's huge for UConn. I think it's great that the, that the school was able to pull this off after football dictated so much of what was happening uh, and wrongly put the, the school on, on a bad path. UConn is a basketball school first. It's a basketball school second and a football school third. And now finally it's, uh, it's, it's made its way back to the Big East, which is where it belongs. And it just, you know, I would argue, as I close here with a, with a way too long answer for you, Jared, but just want to give a lot of perspective. I would argue that there are few schools who have a more natural, innate connectivity to a conference the way that UConn does with the Big East. Obviously, there are a few. Uh, you know, a couple ACC schools obviously come to mind. Um, but but for UConn to have left the Big East to begin with was uh, was always a bit bizarre, and it's it's a little bit of a shocker, a little bit of an upset that it happened uh, on this t- sort of timetable. But but positive news for UConn going ahead, and um, can't wait to see what they look like in that league two three years from now. So one thing that that surprised me, you've heard these rumors of UConn flirting with going back to the Big East, probably since they left, or at least for the past few years, they've really seemed to kind of pick up some steam, but then they get shot down right away. How are you hearing this this move went down? Because it, it seems like it broke pretty quickly, and things moved uh, moved at a fast pace here once uh, some of those more substantive uh, rumors got out there. Yeah, well, well, okay, so a few things with this. Um, when news came from the digital sports desk, uh, uh, a digital website out of Boston, that came late Friday night, so six days removed from when we're talking here. Um, that flared onto the radar in terms of like no one really had any sense. There were probably you'd have maybe five or six people in the Big East office, every school president in the Big East, and then maybe throw ten more people onto the pile. Like less than thirty people were aware of that that was happening before the news broke. Uh, Dan Hurley didn't know. I don't believe Gina Oriema knew. Um, and if, if they had a, if they had a sense of it, I don't think they realized how close it was to actually happening there. Um, and talking to some folks after that, my suspicion, uh, was that this all kind of went down within the past month for the most part. Now, Val Ackerman on Thursday at the press conference did basically, uh, say that's how it happened. She said the conversation started after the end of the basketball season. So let's just say that was mid April, but, uh, she clearly indicated that this got real within only the past couple of weeks. And, um, I mean, it's an impressive coup. There's no doubt about it. Um, I can tell you from the American athletic conference side of things, like, you know, they did not want to lose UConn obviously. Uh, but there are folks affiliated with that conference that are, that have been always uh, a little frustrated by UConn because it has not reciprocated the relationship to the level that, that, that they would hope. Um, but that's born out of the fact that, you know, from the moment that the Catholic seven split off, bought the Big East name, was able to maintain that league and its standing, 
and UConn uh, wasn't left behind, but chose to stay behind with the with the new union of the American. Um, obviously, UConn fans were not happy with it. Uh, they wanted to change. Uh, if if you had been talking to me two months ago, and you asked me would UConn get back into the Big East, I absolutely would have said yes. But if you asked me to give you a year, I probably would have said like 2023, 2022, maybe on an accelerated timeline. I did not think that it would happen this fast. Um, kind of pull you back behind the curtain just a little bit here. I think uh, part of this is, well, a couple reasons. One, the Big East saw an opportunity to get its league to 20 games the way the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC are doing, which I'm not a fan of, but that's a, that's a different podcast, a different conversation. I actually think it's bad for college basketball that conferences have 20 conference games. But so be it. The Big East wanted that. It saw an opportunity there. And also, it renewed its, its agreement with Madison Square Garden um, about eight months ago, seven months ago, keep its tournament there through 2028, I believe. But I'm talking off the top of my head there. I think they extended it out a decade. And with that, its television deal with Fox um, runs for another four or five years. And that strategic placement on behalf of the Big East and obviously Fox, but you bring UConn in. Um, it actually creates the, the biggies that will now be operating from an advantageous standpoint because UConn is a national brand. And if it can get good again under Hurley, Hurley is a big time college name. If you can get UConn to be a top 25 status kind of team, um, I think there is the potential maybe for ESPN to want to get involved again. But even if not, um, there'll be, there'll be serious rights bid for that league because there's a, there's a lot of viability for it, even, even on top of how good of a league it was before. So um, and again, another long-winded answer, but I'm used to uh, talking with Parrish on our podcast, and we tend to ramble. Um, but I think that most of the work, most of the legwork that was done on this was actually done in the month of June. What do, you, do you think there was one item in particular that really kind of just, you know, broke UConn down and said, now's the time we have to do it? Was it the new TV deal and the ESPN Plus side of things and possibly losing their t- Tier 3 rights with SNY? You know, was it just, you know, attendance issues? Do you, do you know if there were a couple of things there that really just, you know, both Dave Benedict and Susan Herbst, the president on our way out, said it's time to just make this move now? I, well, I don't know how much, well, obviously Susan Herbst had to sign off on this, but I'm not sure um, how much she really, uh, did, like, for, I've had to say in it, I say in that in this regard, like if she was really against the move, um, and I don't think she is, but in, in hypothetical world, if she was, I don't know if that prevents this from getting done. Uh, some of the things that I think were the clinchers, uh, potentially the new deal, although I don't, and I know UConn fans probably have some skepticism with the, with, uh, with the tier three that you mentioned and the ESPN deal and the ESPN plus and not, maybe not getting on as, uh, television as much. I, I kind of reject that notion because if, if UConn was set up, you know, to be good again under Hurley and was going to get it going next season, particularly the season after that, UConn would have been a premier team. And all, most of their games of note would have been on uh, an ESPN or an ESPN2 or maybe an ESPNU. So, and plus with streaming the way that it is, um, I just don't think that's a, a well-established uh, concern there. I think they would have been fine. Plus, they were set up as a university to receive more money, um, seven point, uh, approximately 7 to $7.5 million through the American TV deal, whereas the Big East, um, it's in the it's in the neighborhood of four or so, and I can't speak to all the particulars on this. But the the way the current Big East deal is structured, when UConn enters in on it, it's not going to be the way I would equate it is this: if you form a band, right, 
And then the band gets really, really good, starts selling out uh, stadiums and amphitheaters, um, make, sells records and all this stuff. The core founding members of that band, um, depending on how their contract is set up, uh, they receive X amount of money for every concert they play, uh, for albums they sell, for gear and all this stuff. And then let's say you decide nine years into your career, you add another permanent member, but that member was not a founding member. Uh, the way this almost always goes is that member still gets a good chunk, but it's not the same portion as the founding members. And so with the, with UConn and the Big East, uh, my understanding is that is going to be the case moving forward for at least until the end of the Fox deal. And then potentially after that, although I would think if you get a brand new fresh deal five years from now, um, UConn will be afforded the same kind of rights. But uh, we'll really kind of you know squeeze down the rabbit hole there in terms of <laughs> money and how it's dispensed. But um, I think for UConn, the, the absolute biggest thing, the biggest thing was this. It, 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 Dave Benedict, the athletic director, Susan Herbst, the president, the incoming president, uh, maybe one or two other people uh, of significant importance sat down and said, the football program is bottomed out. We're losing tens of millions of dollars with this. Our men's program is slipping. We cannot afford to uh, have the situation where it's still not relevant enough. We need to better ourselves by getting in a better league, by being on television more often. And I think that was the biggest thing. In addition to pushing ambitious pushing behind the scenes from Gino Oriama and Dan Hurley, both of whom obviously were very in favor of this and hoping that it would happen. I personally think that even they are surprised it happened on this timetable. I don't think either of them expected it to be this soon. You talk about the slipping uh, of UConn, uh, particularly in men's basketball, the past few years. I know some people will like to throw that back and say, well, they've been in the American. It's harder to recruit kids to want to go play at Tulane or Tulsa. How much of UConn's struggles do you, do you attribute to being in the in the American, if any, in your opinion? Not a lot. Um, to a certain extent, you could say because you know they were in the American. You know, there's just not as much buzz around the league. Uh, I I personally, you know, I don't put a ton of stock into that. Maybe if if you want to go into a hypothetical world and say four years ago and on, UConn was a member of the Big East, uh, maybe it would have landed one, two, or three other really good recruits that didn't otherwise. I mean, there is the potential that could have been the case, but I'm not sure about that. The reason why UConn was in the position that it was in the position it was, it was it wins a national title. Kevin Ollie just ends up not being um, a good head coach for a number of reasons. Um not a tireless worker. Certainly a lot of his players liked him, but um, wasn't nearly as an effective recruiter as he could have or should have been. Uh, just not, not, not the grinding type and didn't, uh, you know, for whatever reason, just didn't build up enough allies within that athletic department. Um, you know, it was just headed toward a bad exit when it, when it, when it was, I mean, six, eight months before he was fired, um, certainly just tons of noise about how this was going to end badly. And certainly we've seen that it has. And for the most part, it was uh, what the program was unable to do under Kevin Ollie and some of the disharmony and dysfunction from within that has had some hangover effects there. And with that, uh, you get into some APR uh, troubles. Um, Dan Hurley inherits, you know, he likes fixing broken things and all that, but, uh, but it's going to take him a little bit of while as well. Um, did being in the American exacerbate it? Maybe a little, but the league is a major conference. I've uh, banged that drum for five years and will continue to do so. I still think it's a major conference, even with the loss of UConn, particularly because even though UConn won the national championship as a member of the AAC, 
Um, with the exception of that year, as you well know, when it was a seven seed and it was a bit of a fluky run, um, the league has thrived in spite of UConn, not because of it. Uh, the UConn's highlights as a member of the American Athletic Conference are hiring Dan Hurley, winning a national championship under Kevin Ollie, and Jalen Adams hitting like a 72-foot shot in the quarterfinals of the conference tournament. Like there's just not a lot of high points there. Um, but I, would, I wouldn't put that on the conference as much as I would on UConn and particularly Ollie. So you talk about Dan Hurley coming in and being a guy who likes to fix things. I know you, you've spoken with him on multiple occasions since he's taken this job. Uh, you've done some pieces on him. What are your early thoughts on, on Coach Hurley in, in the future uh, direction he's uh, going to be taking this program in? I, I do think that UConn, with Dan Hurley in the fold, first of all, big picture, I don't know if Dan Hurley would have eventually tried to, like, who knows how things would have gone. Maybe five years from now things are terrible and Dan Hurley gets fired. But um, maybe Dan Hurley has a decent amount of success. But if they're in the American, there's still some frustrations. Uh, maybe Dan Hurley says, you know what, there's still one more tier job I can jump above and try and move on from. Now I don't see that nearly as likely because if you're in the Big East, Dan Hurley loves the Northeast. Um, you know, it's, it's very much a, a him job. It's, it, it's, it's, it's set up for him now to thrive. And, the only thing left here, uh, and this isn't just Hurley, this is, I think, UConn fans, uh, UConn administration, who knows what kind of timeline is realistic, but um, I know there's been approvals to fix some stuff with Gamble, but the XL Center in Hartford, obviously, as well. UConn's going to continue to have home games there, and that arena needs significant upgrades, but that's the only thing left here. There's, there's So many other things are in place for UConn to, to really have success. I think that the program will. I think with Dan Hurley as his coach, UConn has a chance to win a national championship. But, you know, UConn's won, obviously, as you well know, four in the past two decades. It's more than any other program in that span. It's awesome. It's almost like uh, if you get another one, you're entering into significantly rarefied era within the next decade. Um, it can be done. It's not easy to do. I think UConn fans should keep that hope alive. And more than anything, it's not don't, – don't gauge it on if you make uh, – a title run, or if you make two or three final fours, it's more in the big picture of, okay, on a year in year out basis, are we drawing in top 30 recruiting classes on a year in year out basis going forward as a member of the big East? Are we all, you know, three out of four years, are we finishing top three in the league? Are we all, are we almost always in the NCAA tournament and are we landing a one, two, three, or four seed, you know, 50% of the time. That should, it's, it's more about your big picture progress than those individual accomplishments because winning a national title is hard. Getting to a final four is exceedingly hard. Um, so keep that in mind. But I do like the future under Hurley uh, up in stores. He will obviously keep it very interesting. And now um, you look, you know, look for the next 12 months here as UConn, has an interesting transition year this year ahead. I don't know what to expect. In fact, I consider them one of the bigger mysteries in college basketball. But the year after that, um, Hurley should should be on the cusp, if not for sure, in the NCAA tournament. What kind of recruits is he going to be able to get? Um, I, I would fully expect UConn to have a top 25 recruiting class one year from now. Very nice. And I'll get you out of here on this one. And this is just kind of looking big picture from a college basketball standpoint, you know, the Big East is not necessarily the same Big East as when UConn left. left. And uh, looking at it from that level, 
what advantages outside of the the recruiting stuff will UConn gain from playing in the Big East as opposed to the AAC? Obviously, the the level of competition is a bit higher. But what else are some of the advantages uh, UConn will have from getting to to play in this new conference now? I think the general aura and vibe of being affiliated with the Big East has uh, real cachet. Um, the, you know, I know people don't like the the term brand. I think it's cliche. But the bottom line is that stuff carries real significance to the tune of like uh, tickets sold, the urgency that will be around the Big East tournament, which already sells well. You get UConn fans in there. It means all the more. Uh, you have more general hype around your program in the off season leading into a season. Um, when you have local rivalries, like the fact that Dan Hurley has to coach against Ed Cooley again, Hurley obviously coming from the University of Rhode Island, like that, those are just fun little bonus wrinkles that you get with all of that kind of stuff. Um, and Hurley embraces that. You know, the fact that uh, he's going to be going up against Georgetown and Villanova, Seton Hall, St. John's, like the localness of the Big East there is important because those coaches and those schools and those fan bases still have a lot of pride about being connected to that conference, that name, being founding members. I remember when Providence won the Big East tournament uh, and when Villanova won it, uh, I think a year after that, this either would have been the year before the first the year before they won their first title or the year they won the title. Both uh, Ed Cooley and Jay Wright uh, made it a point to say, like, this win is for the old Big East because the Big East was awesome but a bit bloated for a good decade there when you brought in some of the Conference USA transplants. And, you know, you had uh, eventual outgoing teams like Syracuse, Notre Dame, Pitt to the ACC, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but those teams weren't there back in the 80s and the early 90s there. The Big East was still awesome uh, into the 2000s and rated as the number one conference a couple of years by Ken Palm. But um, you just – I guess the best way I can put it is this. When news about this leaked over the weekend – you know, I, I live in Connecticut. Um, I'm not a UConn grad. I'm not a UConn fan, so to speak. My wife actually did go to UConn, uh, but she is she is not a college basketball fan. But she even she noticed, and she mentioned that, you know, seeing her Facebook feed, I heard from friends who have been UConn fans. Like, this just is, it's a B12 shot into the fan base. There's just a lot of hype, a lot of expectation, a lot of optimism going forward. And uh, that's a pretty cool thing. And I think it just, it brings about, benefits that are monetarily felt immediately but by the time we get to you know the start of the 2020 2021 season with UConn um, you know there will be a, a push behind that program that honestly it probably has not felt since Kemba won the title and Calhoun was there like even the 2014 title that was great UConn fans loved it but it was like even UConn fans were shocked that it happened that team was up and down that season. They were still getting used to Ollie. So, yeah, big games all around and exciting times ahead in the nutmeg state for uh, for UConn, which has rightfully found its place. And in, in the Big East, I think, will uh, I'll, I'll end it on this. And getting to 11, my prediction is 20 years from now. And I know it's a long time in college athletics, but I think by 2039, the Big East will still only be at 11 teams. I think it's going to settle on this number with that 20-game league schedule, still have the double buy in its tournament still have that Northeast presence, and uh, I think that's a good thing. That's awesome. So, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. 
If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Kotler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.